The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. We want to turn now to our interview with Jamie Dimon, the head of J.P. Morgan, spoke with our Bloomberg affiliate in Mexico discussing the latest inflation numbers, a potential rating downgrade for the U.S., and the headwinds that the U.S. economy faces. Let's go to part of that discussion. Well, it was a great coincidence to see you yesterday here in Mexico. Tell us what brings you here. You met with the top businessmen in, the, businessmen in this country. What was your conversation about? Yeah, so first of all, I am thrilled to be here. And actually running into you reminded me that why shouldn't I do a little uh, television here and talk about something like that? You know, <laughs> Mexico is a critical market for us. We've been here for 120 years. We've been all over Latin America for well over 100 years. We have a total of 6,000 employees. You know, we bank like 1,300 companies. We bank governments. And, uh, and it's always critical to remember when you go on the road how much you learn. You know, first of all, you're learning from your own people. You're learning from your clients, learning from CEOs. So dinner last night, you know, we spoke a lot about America-Mexico uh, relationships. For example, I'd forgotten that the USMCA deal needs to be reaffirmed. We should start working on that today. Uh, also, we talked about nearshoring, but the huge opportunity it is to have uh, nearshoring, you know, bringing more business into Mexico and America because of what's going on around the world. I mean, you, you should keep in mind, Latin America and North America and South America, they're kind of like seas of peace and tranquility in the world you see today, and that's an opportunity for them. Well, of course, I can imagine. So as CEO of one of the most important banks in the world, how attractive do you see Mexico to invest? And talking about uh, nearshoring, a lot of businessmen talk about the challenges uh, for this phenomenon, like infrastructure, security. What do you see? Yeah. So, you know, if you look at just JP Morgan, we invest for the long run. We've doubled or tripled our capital here in the last six years. We cover more clients in private banking, investment banking, uh, asset management. So our commitment is total. I think it's one of the great opportunities. I'd put Mexico, you know, if you had to pick a country, this might be the number one opportunity. And remember, you already have very capable companies here, universities, infrastructure, technology. So, of course, when you talk about, you know, what you can do to do more, you know, the better you do with infrastructure, the better you do with, you know, uh, affordable energy costs, the better you do with universities, the better you do with good policy, it'll be better for that. But you already have a lot of it. You already have companies moving more operations here, et cetera. And, uh, and I'd add security, which I think is a mutual problem for America uh, and Mexico. I hope we're working on them together because, you know, the more we can solve that, the better is for both countries. But, of course, there are problems, still huge opportunities. But great to hear from you that Mexico is in, in the number one. Uh, in which sectors do you see more opportunities for nearshoring in Mexico? I, I would say uh, 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 manufacturing, more and more advanced manufacturing, agriculture, 
I, look, I look at your capital markets. I mean, just to give you some numbers, your GDP is 1.3 trillion in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Your market cap is 400 billion. I mean, it could, it could and should maybe a lot more than that. So there's a huge opportunity to have capital markets grow here to bring more both foreign direct investment and you know more investment here. You also have a tech sector here. You know, I have met with a bunch of high tech companies. They're very impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you'll see that grow. Um, and as as Mexico grows, everything that supports. All those industries here grow industrial, agriculture, uh, technology, uh, et cetera. Well, and we cannot talk about Mexican economy without talking about the U.S. data. Today we saw the inflation in the United States broadly slowed in October. Do you think the Fed will pause the rate hikes after these numbers? Because recently you said the world is not ready for 7% rates. Right. It's two different things. I think the number is good today. Personally, I think people are overreacting to short-term numbers, and they should stop doing that because you look at all the adjustments that go into them. They're not completely valid. I think inflation is probably a little stickier than that shows. I think they're, I think they do, they're doing the right thing to pause for now. You know, they've raised rates a lot you know, to wait to see the effect on the economy in the U.S., particularly as the fiscal spending Uh, the excess fiscal spending is winding down and quantitative tightening is kicking in. But I still think you, know, you should prepare. They might have to do a little bit more. And I think people should be prepared for that just as a kind of a risk management uh, tool. And I'm afraid inflation may not go away that quickly. Okay. And, well, also three months ago, Fitch ratings downgraded U.S. credit rating. And this weekend, we saw Moody's changing its outlook on the U.S. credit rating to negative, pointing to a sharp rise in debt servicing costs and political polarization. What do you expect in these terms? You know, I, look, I, I find it a little ironic that Fitch and Moody's are doing that today. Mm-hmm. So here's what I think. They are right to point out those issues. I would take polar, polarization off. That's, that's always been true okay. in a democracy. But yes, we have far more debt, more debt financing. We've been a little profitable when it comes to that. But the market is pricing us as AAA, which I think is more right. And the market will be more right than the rating agencies. I also want to point out, I find this almost funny, they have a lot of countries rated AAA. They all live under the protection of the American military. And so I think it's a little peculiar that that makes them AAA, but not America. So uh, America will be fine, but we, but we got to get our hands around these problems. They, they will not age well. The deficit's a lot bigger this year than we thought. There may be consequences of that. And so I, do, I think they're right to point it out. Okay. And talking about your bank, Jamie, how would you sum up this year 2023, given that it was such a tough time for the broader industry? You know, I, I, don't, I don't look at any one year like it's a mystical thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I always tell people the profits are like the tip of an iceberg is bobbing in the ocean. You know, the real quality of your company is your people, your systems, your technology, your products, your services. So we had a good year financially. You know, I know that some banks had some problems. We've been quite clear we're over-earning. But to me, the important thing is that we're going to serve our clients through thick or thin. We've got plenty of capital, plenty of liquidity. We're not going to panic. No matter what happens in the environment out there, we're going to be in Mexico serving your clients, your country, uh, the way we should be. And, you know, I think of rates, and I'm, I'm, look, I'm hoping it. First Republicans we bought was probably the last domino, but I've always said provided rates don't go up, we don't have a, a recession. And I do think banks are being prepared for that. That's just, a, that's just a reasonable, thoughtful risk management tool. Be prepared for things you don't expect so you can continue to build your company. 
how to prepare for the things that you don't expect? You, when, the way we do it is we model out you know, how we would do with 2% interest rates and 7% interest rates, how we would do with credit losses going up, stress testing markets around the world. So we do like literally 100 stress tests a week. And so always looking at that so that we can manage through that. And that in, under all those circumstances, we're fine. Fine means to me that you don't have to announce massive layoffs, you don't have to like pull out of a country, that you continue to meet the commitments you have to the people in the country and the, co the countries themselves. You know, people don't like banks who are, not, who are fair weather friends. And so, you know, we're going to be there for people uh, all the time. And, you know, we're always, we've always been careful how we run the bank. Okay. Jamie, we have a question from the audience of a big fan of yours. He says that if there is really a future for fintech startups, or will they be outlasted or out-innovated by banks? Yeah, I think it's the wrong way to look at the question. Like, it's a binary answer. Mm -hmm. you know, we, there, there will be some who will not survive. There will be some who are very smart and they have a great niche idea. There will be some who are more than that. You know, so JP Morgan, we look at all the fintech. We also look at the big tech. You know, we have competition effectively from Apple, Google, Facebook. And so there will always be survivors. And you know, our job is to make sure we're lean, we're mean, we're thinking, we're competitive. We're not, it's always better to assume that some of these people will be successful than to assume that they won't be successful. And you know, I've, I've pointed out to our own management teams that there's some great companies out there that we could have built and we didn't like Square and Stripe. And so, you know, you got to be open-minded and a little humble about uh, what's going to take place. Your size alone is not going to make you succeed in the future. And if you don't believe me, read about the history of all large corporations. So you see fintechs working with big banks around the world? That, that, that's true, too, by the way. We, we partner with 50, 60, 75, maybe even 100 different fintechs, depending on how you define that, in, in terms of data and cybersecurity and marketing. And yeah, we have quite a few partners we work with. Okay, and which are your perspectives of fintech for Mexico and the region? Well, I'm not an expert in that. I do know that I've learned a lot traveling this region from fintechs, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not quite an expert what's happening here. I, but I think. My view is you're developing a tech sector here, including fintech. Like, you know, in the old days, a lot of the technology was taking place in Silicon Valley or in Boston, but now you see it almost everywhere you go. There are tech and fintech companies starting to blossom, and I think it'll be great for all the countries that it happens in, and it's happening here too. Okay. Well, and also I would like you to ask about Mexican econ uh, economy. Which are your, your perspectives uh, with... Uh, high interest rates, high inflation, but with the opportunity of nearshoring. Yeah, I, I, again, I think it's a great opportunity. And, you know, the, the, a lot of Latin American countries raise their interest rates rapidly, quickly, and they probably did the right thing for the long run of the economy. You have very low unemployment. You know, inflation is coming down, so hopefully you'll conquer that. I think countries should always look at, and I, I really mean this, like I do with a company, what, what should they be growing? And, you know, I think we've undergrown in America, you know, quite a bit over the last years. And I think Mexico should aspire to do much more. And just like, so that's how I look at it. And the, to do more, all these countries, all of us, you know, it's about policy. And you've already mentioned infrastructure, but it's about work skills, effective regulation, transparency, corporate governance, uh, you know, rapid permitting. Uh, it's all those things, you know, consistency of law that have a country grow. And the important part of having a country grow, it helps all of the citizens. 
there's more taxes, you have more wherewithal. You know, it's not just for big companies you want a growing economy, you really want it for everybody. You know, every job created, you know, every job created is a job for someone. And so, you know, people, we need, we all need to be very thoughtful about how we can grow our economies to help, and we should do it to benefit all the citizens of our country. You know, not just the, you know, the wealthier and the employed, but everybody. Sure. Well, finally, I know you enjoy a lot reading history and business. Which book would you recommend to our audience? Yeah, I think the one I would recommend is Bob Gates, the former Secretary of Defense, wrote a book called The Exercise of Power, and the first chapter is about the symphony of power. And by that he's talking about we've overused our military muscle, overused it and misused our military muscle, but we've underused diplomacy, develop, development finance, uh, uh, information sharing, intelligence, and also explain to the world the benefits of freedom, free enterprise, free markets, and that we, I think we at America should get more involved in that. You know, one of the disappointments to me when I travel around Latin America is we're not here enough as a country. And, and we should be fostering these countries, helping them, trying to get more direct investment in them, more development finance. You know, if you look at development finance, it's really come down quite a bit. And so one of my lists to do when I go back is to figure out how we, the American business community, can work with you know, the American government to actually help do more uh, uh, in Latin America. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.